The Nigerian government recently launched the Energy Transition Plan, which provides a bold roadmap and pathway towards accomplishing net zero target by 2060, improving energy security and creating jobs. These ambitious climate mitigation and economic development plan is however shadowed by some challenges, particularly the cost and the resources needed. It's estimated that the plan will cost over $400 billion by 2060, which roughly means about $10 billion annually. The broader journey towards net zero is estimated to cost an additional $1.9 trillion. Can Nigeria afford this investment? What's the status of the country's gas reserves and investment? Hello, welcome to the Crisis Room, a podcast from Human Angle. I am Moksela Abdullahi, standing in for Mary Mustafa. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the country and answer the tough questions around them. This week, I'm here with a guest, Dr. Toby Olua Tola, the Executive Director of the Center for Journalism, Innovation and Development. Dr. Toby is also an energy specialist. Good day, Doc. Good day, Martella. How are you? I'm doing great. And where are you joining us from? I mean, here in Abuja. Oh, that's great. Uh, Abuja is quite sunny today, unlike the previous days that was quite uh, raining. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The weather is is pleasant today. Welcome to the crisis room, Doctor. Uh, what else do you want to tell us about your background before we begin the conversation? Um, sure, Marcella. So I started my career in management consulting, um, mostly working, um, doing energy advisory um, around um, for KPMG. Um, and then not long after that, after about four years, I moved to the U.S. Um, and did um, policy consulting um, at the Rand Corporation and also got a PhD in policy analysis with a focus on energy. Um, and during that time, I helped um, the government of India um, with its um, 100 gigawatt plan um, of solar electrification um, and did a bunch of work on looking at the effect of climate change on Africa's infrastructure, especially around the water basins. And since then, I've, I've since I've returned to Nigeria, I've... Um, I've also helped. I also helped design a couple of electricity markets um, in Europe and Middle East. And then, since returning to Nigeria, I've been running um, an off-grid solar energy company. Um, so, and we've built um, a few. Um, I've been involved in about almost 200 megawatts of solar projects, not just in Nigeria, but across across Africa and and Asia. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's my area of expertise. Um, but on the other, um, but I also, um, I also am part of the founding team at premium times, um, and the um, founding team at, um, the center for journalism, innovation and development, which is, um, essentially a think tank, a media innovation think tank that helps drive, um, deepen the development discourse in, in Nigeria's journalism, West Africa's journalism, um, but also, very importantly, um, enabling um, the the media enterprise to demand and promote democratic accountability. Um, so that's what we do at the center. And one area where we 
focus on a lot is in the area of energy transition as well as climate change. Because as you are aware, um, Africa and Nigeria particularly face a dilemma. Um, there is the goal to meet our our climate objectives of net zero um, emissions by 2060. But there's also the need to electrify the country. Nigeria is now home to perhaps the most unelectrified people in the world. About 90 million people don't have access to, um, to clean electricity. Um, and even amongst the um, 110 million or so that have access, access is defined very loosely as just being able to switch on two bulbs and a, two light bulbs and, and, and a fan. So, so that's not particularly a high standard of access. And you and I who live in the city center will probably know that um, you barely get nine hours reliability a day whilst we're also trying to meet climate goals. So, um, so the center is, has been focused on that a little bit and um, hence my, my presence here. Yeah, uh, thank you, actually. And you've actually hit the grand warning in terms of the questions that I have for you, the lot of them. And so you, you earlier on during the conversation, you mentioned something around the energy transition and in terms of the recent plan that the government uh, launched. So what's your thought on Nigeria's energy transition plan? It's, it's a bold plan. And the plan is looking to uh, a future where we at least meet our... Um, energy poverty goals and and full get to full electrification by 2030 and by 2050 um, by 2040 um, we fully meet all our um, um, electrification goals and, and convert and as much as possible get rid of off-grid diesel and petrol consumption because right now Nigeria has Nigeria meets about 48 million tons of um, CO2. That's um, 48 million out of the global 50 billion. So it's an it's almost what you might call an infinitesimal number. It's about 0.1% of the global CO2 emissions. So that's what Nigeria emits. Um, but Nigeria um, also wants to get to wants to get to get that to zero by 2060. So and 67% or so comes from everything that um, we do on the grid um, and the transportation fuels, everything that we do, um, our, um, our industrial uses, our agricultural uses and whatnot. But a whopping 33% comes from just each and every one of us running generators in our homes and running um, diesel generators in our businesses. So that's one area that, you know, if you could eliminate that, you know, you could really make a dent on, um, on Nigeria's climate goals. So uh, the plan envisions us being able to do all that um, in, the, in the path to decarbonization. So it's an ambitious plan. Um, and um, we're looking to replace 6.3 gigawatts um, of of generators by 2030. So that's really ambitious. Yeah. And that would electrify 1.5 million new households. So so it's it's ambitious and I, I, I look forward to um, 
the implementation of it because the devil is always in the details. Exactly. And when you said it's quite ambitious, that's actually a summary of what it is. And it's quite a giant hill that has a lot of uh, potential impacts on the country's economy, uh, achieving the sustainable development goals. But you mentioned something in terms of Nigeria's carbon emissions and looking at the transition towards cleaner energy, where is the future of gas in this conversation? So, yeah, the future of gas, and, and I, I think when people say, um, when people insist that um, gas, and the vice president was in New York, um, I mean, D.C., um, and he made the case that gas needs to be um, part of a transition fuel, and I do not disagree with him. Um, it is true that Nigeria is a gas-generating country. Um, a lot of people think of Kanji Dam, Kanji Dam uh, because it was the first dam created in Nigeria, but as of now, um, gas, generate, gas contributes more than... 60 to 70% of Nigeria's um, electricity output. So gas is still our core base load. And if we're, we all know that um, the sun doesn't shine at night. So if we're going to be deploring um, 0.8 gigawatts per year of new solar between now and 2030, um, we're going to need when the sun goes down at night, we're going to need something else to um, take that load, to to carry the load. And and that needs to be, at this point, gas seems to be the most um, portable um, energy source that we could deploy. So gas should be in the mix of the energy mix in terms of... Uh... Yeah, so gas would be in, the, in our electricity mix. Another area that we're going to continue to need gas is in cooking fuels. So people are going to need, right now, um, about, about um, I believe it's, it's 6% or so of, it's 6 million people or so still use biomass to cook their food, which is things like firewood and things like that. And that has very, very heinous um, health compl- complications. It has very um, severe, severe health implications for them. And that all that is going to be converted to cleaner energy, and that cleaner energy um, inadvertently almost has to be gas, has to be natural gas. You and I use mostly natural gas to cook in our homes. So that has to be natural gas. So that gas needs to get to them. So yes, there are things that we're going to need gas for. When we then think or say that, oh, we also need to, to export our gas, to finance our energy transition, it's also a very logical argument. It is just that it is an argument that the market may not support. And I'll explain. So right now, the majority of the oil majors that we would depend on to invest in new gas infrastructure, like pipelines that go through like the Trans-Saharan pipeline that will pipe gas, you know, from Nigeria through the Nigeria Republic and Algeria into Europe, or the one that the president is very um, excited about, which is the one that goes through um, um, the uh, um, the west coast um, of Africa through Morocco all the way to Europe. 
those are tens of billions of dollars of projects. The first one is about 12 billion. The second one is about, about 20 billion. So those are really expensive projects that will take at least five, five to 10 years. The question is, even if you did find the financing to build those projects, by the time you're building them and the gas is getting to, to, um, to Europe, you might find that the market in Europe has changed because um, the energy transition that we speak of, it's not just because of climate change that people are transiting their energy use. It's because it's also true that the cost of things like solar and wind and, um, and storage is getting significantly cheaper and to, for the for um, to a large extent, will continue to get progressively cheaper. And the market itself for so p- places like Spain and, and, uh, and coal that we sell and, and the others that we sell our, electric- our energy to, many of them have net zero goals um, of 2030 or 2035. So by the time you're finishing building your gas pipeline, they want to be at net zero. So they want to be reducing consumption of gas. Um, and it may, may, may or may not be true, you know, that, um, you know, that there is still a market for maybe another 10 years after you build it. But is that a long enough time frame for you to make the commitments um, that it takes to the financing commitments that it takes to build such a project? So, so you're going to find that because a lot of financiers are worried about having stranded projects, or you can say, oh, okay, it's going to have to build a pipeline. Maybe we can build um, a few more LNG trains. Uh, but even that will suffer from the same, the same um, financing challenges. So you're going to have, you have that problem of inability to export your gas. So it, the majority of the markets that you will have for your gas will be domestic. So, uh, and, and, and knowing the precariousness of domestic gas markets, anybody who who is a gas um, um, gas developer in this country has experienced being owed monies for months on months on end that they supplied for gas that is supplied to the power sector. The power sector is having a liquidity challenge. So if they are going to go to the bank to raise money to to dig the next gas holes, they're going to have a challenge. So so there's going to need to be some concessional finance that makes that investment. It's not it's going to be difficult for it to come out of commercial financing. Um, It's very evident challenges that we will face. Yeah, it's quite interesting when you uh, I think in one summer, it's quite a a difficult uh, situation for for Nigeria, especially in terms of the gas investment and how it's important for us and then why there could be another kind of scenario in terms of export as a lot of countries tend to shift towards uh, uh, more cleaner and also than a zero goal. And you also mentioned something which is kind of important and part of my last question for you, I want financing. It's financing seems to be a huge hill 
uh, not just in terms of the gas investment, but in terms of achieving uh, this energy transition plan and also achieving the national determined contributions, uh, which kind of which Nigeria now says it wants to reduce uh, emissions by 20% by 2030 and unconditionally, and then a conditional target of, of 47%. So, how how was like the possible scenario for us to get the invest climate investment that we need uh, recently the vice president in dc was talking about debt for swap so what's your thought around how we can really get some of the climate financing that we need to, uh, to achieve this project thank you very much so i think that the death the debt for for climate um idea is an interesting one and it's an idea that we had proposed also in a in a paper that we a conference we had and a paper that we, we, we drafted about three months ago. Um, so, so it's an interesting idea that is worth considering. The challenge with the idea, as with most ideas that we're coming up with, is that majority of Nigeria's debt right now is to private lenders and not bilateral entities. So uh, that's going to be a challenge. So the debt that is coming from bilateral entities Yes, we can we can deal with, but we can uh, we can we can swap that. But ma- the majority of the debt is coming from um, from edge funds and from um, you and I um, having invested in government bonds and treasury bills and and whatnot. So 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 there, there, there needs to be a realistic conversation about how much are we really talking about in um, bilateral debts that we want cancelled um, or multilateral debts that we want cancelled. A lot of the debt is also bilateral with countries like China. So the question is, um, you know, even if Washington were to agree and, um, and the Brenton Woods con- um, um, organizations were to agree, um, uh, what, what happens with the Chinese? Um, will they agree to such a deal? Um, it's uh, it remains to be to be seen. So so it's a it's a interesting speculative idea, and it would be um, interesting to see where that conversation goes. So where do you now, think we can get the money from? So now to the question of where we think we can get the money from. I think the money majority of the money will have to come from grants. My view of the climate crisis is that it's a result of several years of inequality and many a lot of that and and we've also got to realize that the concept of externalities is important the concept of externalities is important because when i do a business the costs of my business is not just the cost that i'm directly spending is also the cost that i'm imposing on other people and what the climate crisis has done is impose costs on countries that have contributed very little to it. And all the benefits from those um, activities have gone in a certain direction. So all that we're saying, and, and when the pres- vice president talks about carbon trading, that carbon trading also needs to be, cannot just be... Um, cannot just be futuristic, it also needs to go back a few years. It also needs to be calculated a few years back, you know, and some of the cost of the carbon that the West, you know, and, and developed countries have, have expended and accrued the benefits to themselves, 
some, they should share some of those benefits to solve the problems that they cause. So I think that it's going to be important. Um, and, and, and when the vice president of the energy transmission plan talks about Nigeria leading and promoting fair, inclusive and en- equitable energy transition, I think that it also has to include a conversation about climate justice. You know about 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 you know reparations as um, you know in in very very fair terms, you know, and it starts with the oil majors. You know, as they're divesting, they've got to make some certain commitments towards cleaning up the environment, towards um, helping Nigeria make a transition uh, as part of the conditions for the divestments that they are making. Um, you know, we need to be extracting you know a significant you know, um, pound from from the, the assets that they are divesting, you know, because they've made a ton of money, um, you know, exploit, exploiting an, an oil and gas. Um, it's only fair that they leave something behind to make sure that um, to make sure that we can clean up the mess that they've made and that we can um, we can um, ensure we can solve energy poverty. So I think a lot of that is going to come from just us insisting on justice. There will be a bunch of it that still comes from commercial finance, especially where um, profitable investments like um, people getting into um, solar, um, which is a, a, you know, an, a, an, you know, a business that I'm, I'm, you know, I think that is going to continue to thrive a lot um, because today it is, um, it is from a levelized cost basis in Nigeria today, it pro- it's probably cheaper for anyone listening to me to go solar, buy solar on your roof, and get a get solid batteries. You will make savings over the long term than your than what you're doing right now, which is mixing grid with your generator. It's costing you too much. If you just go solar and you have your batteries, you have enough batteries to power your house adequately is going to save you money in the long run um, in under two years. So so because of that commercial um, justification, there will be commercial money that flows in this direction. It's not grant money. It's not aid money. It's commercial money because it makes business sense and because it creates jobs, not because it's a good thing to do, but because it makes business Maybe. sense. You know, as cars become electric, there's going to be a lot of electric and, if I may add, autonomous. There's going to be significant, you know, investment in building the infrastructure that runs the electric cars, including the electricity infrastructure. So that money is going to come from commercial sources because it's going to displace an existing market that that is that is harmful, you know. And and when you displace a market. You know, there are there are resources that were already going to that market. So those resources just go to new new with new um new markets. Wow. Um, so you're not creating new new markets. So so there will be the things that will be commercial and and will thrive. So not everything when we talk about climate change and any transition is going to cost us money. A lot of it is going to make us money, you know, if we if we position strategically and we we, we make the right decisions and the right investments. Wow, this is quite interesting conversation and it shows that there's a lot of uh, stuff that need to happen on the policy angle and also the potentials in terms of the climate action, not just being uh, 
so a lot of people just see it like taking action but as you stated there there's a lot of economic opportunities and that's why this investment needs to happen uh, quite an insightful conversation uh, which also shows that the importance of energy security and the kind of raw forward ahead in terms towards achieving the energy transition plan and also sustainable development uh, thank you for joining us today doctor uh, we look forward to hosting you again you're, you're very welcome, sir, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right, thank you very much. This is an episode of Human Angle Crisis Room. Join in next week for another episode. Uh, the producer is Anthony Asemota. The executive producer is Ahmed Sekira.